The War on Wisdom has been where we've been over the past uh, couple of weeks. We've been going slowly through some parts of, of the book of Proverbs. And in addition to what we've been preaching, we've created a reading plan for you to go through to learn more about God's wisdom in the Proverbs. If you haven't um, started the reading plan, I want to strongly encourage you. I checked the, the statistics this week for the reading plan, and we just short of 4,000 people who's already signed up to read this, which is pretty amazing. Definitely not all from here. So there's people out there in the world who's reading the reading plan while some of you are missing out. <laughs> Make an effort to go and read that. It's a 35 short five-minute devotional reading plan through the book of Proverbs that will continue to teach us about godly wisdom. And as we conclude this morning, I'm excited for this last morning that we are going to be in the book of Proverbs and hear what God has on his heart. So let me pray for us, and then we're going to be opening up the Word together. Lord, as we open your Word, as we ready our ears and our hearts to hear what you have to say, I pray that we would find your wisdom. Lord, if there's any wisdom in us that is not from you, that you would come and upgrade that today so that we can live in the wisdom of God going forward, Father. Thank you for this journey. Thank you that you've given us your word to show us what it is to live well, what it is to live right. And I pray this morning, once more, will you come and teach us. In Jesus' name we pray. And we all say, Amen. Amen. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. There is a way that feels right to a man, but the end is death. And this morning we're going to talk about feelings. This is something that each one of us have. We're going to talk about emotions. We're going to talk about that part of our hearts that feel things or become emotive. But the proverb says that there's some ways in the heart of man that feels and seems good and right and correct but it ends in destruction. It ends in death. I want you to imagine for a moment, imagine every single person in this world could just do what they feel like. Do you think this world will work? Think about that for a moment. Imagine we can just all do what we feel like. A couple of weeks ago, during the holidays, I, I took a, a bunch of young girls to the movies and I ate what I felt like. I bought myself two Krispy Kremes, which I didn't see, which I snug into Sterkinikor. That's me confessing. I'm sorry, Jesus. I took money into the cinema, not money, food into the cinema. And I was sitting at the back, canceling two Krispy Kremes. But earlier that morning, I was at Starbucks for my follow group, and I had a grande, because I didn't pay, a grande white chocolate mocha with four shots of espresso. And after... Uh, the Grande Mocha, I felt like an American, and my Krispy Kremes, I, for lunch, I think, had a slice of avo toast, and then the rest of the day progressed, and I just ate what I felt like, and who knows how that ended for me on Friday night, <laughs> with a terrible headache. The next day, I decided to eat, not what I felt like, but what I should, and it changed my life around, <laughs> so that I could be here on Sunday morning and do my work. But imagine we just did what we feel like. Of course it won't work, right? When I speak about that, there's a funny feeling that comes up in all of us. 
So we're going to talk about funny feelings. What it is to feel funny. When we say I've got a funny feeling, it means that something is not quite right. And today it seems, when we look at the story of the world, that your feelings is authority. Whatever you feel, that's great. You may feel that, and it's good that you feel that. And it doesn't have to be fixed, it doesn't have to be tweaked, it doesn't have to be better. As long as what you feel makes you feel good, then things are good. So we all disagree with that won't work, but isn't that the way that the world is going? As long as you feel the way you want to, things are good. I saw a documentary the other day about identity and people struggling with their identity. And someone said, I feel like a wolf. And it broke my heart because this person expects the rest of the world to treat him like a wolf. Because that's what he feels like. And we sit and we think it's hilarious, but that's the narrative of the world. I feel like fill in the blank. I might be this. And all of nature and human reasoning and common sense says this, but I feel like this. And then we all stand around saying, that's great. As long as you feel happy feeling like that. But you know what's sad? It's not just there out in the world. It's here right in church. We are all led by our feelings. Some of you didn't feel like setting the alarm clock for early enough to be at church on time today. Some people felt like, ah, I'm not sure if I'm going to go this weekend. We'll see what I feel like after Saturday, right? You know, it's funny. I like this one. People saying, I feel like it's not my time to serve. Imagine Jesus said, the Son of Man has come to, what does the Bible say? Serve. The Son of Man has come to maybe serve when he feels like it. I feel like my time is over. I feel like I'm not being fed. There's a whole lot of feelings in all of these statements. Then there's those who feel that God told them something, but when they speak to you about it, it's clearly at odds with the counsel of the Lord and with common sense within the community. But who are we to say, no, you can't quite feel that because uh, it doesn't line up with his word. Because they feel like that and we're like, okay, I'm not going to say anything because I don't want to make it uncomfortable. You guys can relate to that. I think about those who walked with Jesus. If you think about Peter, the great feeler amongst the disciples. So this is a man who walked with Jesus in person and still his feelings got the better of him. There's this moment in Matthew 16 where he professes Christ. Jesus says, who does the world say I am? And they say, well, the world says you're Elijah, you're one of the prophets. And then he says, okay, I don't care that much. Who do you say I am? And then Peter, the spokesman for the disciples, feels confident and he stands up and he says, you are the Christ. And Jesus said, well done, Peter. Well done. You're feeling right. You're thinking right. You've got this one right. And a couple of verses later, Jesus tells them, I am about to go the way of death. And then Peter didn't feel like liking that. And he didn't feel comfortable with the idea that Jesus would die. And he said, no way, Jesus, that's not going to happen. And what did Jesus do? He turned around and said, get behind me, Satan. Your feelings is not going to affect my way. Peter didn't feel like sticking it out with Jesus. When he was taken to the cross. 
when a little girl asked him, aren't you part of Jesus' group? He didn't feel like saying yes. He felt fear. He felt intimidation. He felt scared. And he said, no, I don't know Jesus. And then once he's denied Jesus and Jesus has gone to the cross and he hasn't had his moment with Jesus again, he felt like giving up on the call. And he said, you know what? You guys can be disciples. I'm going to go fishing because that's what I feel like. After I've messed up everything, I'm going to go fishing. And Jesus comes and meets him and sets him back on course. And he says, Peter, I've called you. I've given you an identity. And then we know how the story goes. The Holy Spirit is poured out upon the church. And who is the first to preach? Peter. Can you imagine what he felt like in that moment? He's just received the Spirit. And there's even those who think that because I have the Spirit, everything I feel must be of the Spirit, right? But then we go to the letter to the church in Galatia, where Peter felt wrong again. He was feeling intimidated by the circumcision party, and he took that whole church back to the law and said, I feel like this is better for you to live here. The man who was filled with the Holy Spirit who planted the church felt wrong. And Paul steps onto the scene and he responds and he says to the church of Galatia, Oh foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? And there it is plain clear that even those who walked with Jesus in person could feel wrong at times. So what makes us think that we are exempt? What makes us think that all our feelings are in line? That's why we talk about the war on wisdom. And Paul uses a word that comes up time and time again in the book of Proverbs. He speaks about these that are just led by their feelings. Whatever they feel, that's their life. Let's read a couple of these. And he compares the heroes to the villain. The hero being the wise and the righteous and the villain being the fool. He says in the book of Proverbs, we read there that it says, A fool gives full vent to his spirit, but a wise man quietly holds it back. You know what I'm talking about? Those who just, whatever they feel, they say. You're sometimes scared to speak to people like that because there's just a full vent to their spirit. They just blurt it all out. You walk on ice because you don't know what you're going to get when you say something. It doesn't matter how good and precious and right it is. Next one, a fool takes no pleasure in understanding but only in expressing his or her opinion. That's what it is to be led by feelings. I don't, I'm not going to think about this. I'm not going to process this. I'm going to try and understand this. Finds no pleasure in at least trying. He's just going to let his opinions run. And again, that's the story of the world. So many opinions, so many feelings, and people just let it run. Another one, whoever is patient has great understanding, but one who is quick-tempered displays folly. Quick to react, quick to respond, quick to say something. Quick to say, this is how I feel and I think. The next one, fools show their annoyance at once, but the prudent overlook an insult. You guys have seen those facial expressions, eh? <laughs> when you say something, people are like, oh. So clearly, Scripture wants us to think about this. In the book of wisdom, Proverbs, we are encouraged to stop and pause for a moment and asking, are we feeling well? 
Are we feeling in the correct way? Are we feeling in the proper way? Fools act on their feelings, but wisdom is taking the feeling into consideration and in adding prudence and patience and pleasure to try and understand what this feeling might mean and wise counsel and say, now I understand the feeling a little bit better. Tremper Longman who is a commentator on the Old Testament, says this about wisdom. He says, Wisdom is not intelligence, pure and simple. Biblical wisdom is much closer to the idea of emotional intelligence, EQ, than it is to intelligence quotient, IQ. Wisdom is a skill and knowing how. And he continues, It is a practical knowledge that helps one know how to act and how to speak in different situations. Wisdom entails the ability to avoid problems and the skill to handle them when they present themselves. Wisdom also includes the ability to interpret other people's speech and writing in order to react correctly to what they are saying to us. And those who are led by their feelings do anything but that. They don't think about the situation beforehand. And when the situation is challenging, they react. And when people speak to them in their situation, they react. They don't pause to say, maybe my feelings might just be a little bit out of line. And this morning, I want to cancel the funny feeling and say that there's a way to feel right. That God has given us right feeling. And we're going to discover that together. To be wise, to feel right, is to be mature in the knowledge of God. But not in the knowledge of how we see God, in the knowledge of God's self-revelation to us through Scripture. It is the ability to be mature in our understanding of the world we live in, our understanding of the relationships that we find ourselves in. The wise person knows how to navigate himself or herself well through life and do it in such a way that God gets the glory. And to help us think about this, I want to share three words with you. Orthodoxy, orthopathy, and orthopraxy. For a moment, I'm going to feel like I am a psychologist, which I am not. I'm not trying to step out of my lane, but this is helping us feel right. We've got to understand that feeling can't be the only thing that leads us. But God has given us tools, and this is what I love about our Father. He gives us everything we need to live wise in this world, and He's given us orthodoxy, orthopathy, and orthopraxy. Let me explain. Orthodoxy is right authority. It's knowing who has the final word and whose word is final. Orthodoxy is understanding the theology of the Bible in the proper way so that God remains as Lord over our lives and we praise Him properly. Ortho meaning right and doxy meaning praise. So we've got to have that. But you know what? God has given us more than that. He's given us orthopathy. That's the way our heart feels. Our emotions feel, our soul responds. It is right affections. Orthopathy means that we love the proper things, that our hearts respond in a proper way to the world and to God, that there's not an imbalance in our feelings. And then orthopraxy is the right things we do, is right actions. So I'm going to make it a little bit easier. I know that's high level there. Now look across the room, and I know some of you guys are in that world, but let's make it simpler. Right feeling comes through the Word, the Spirit, and the church. All three of those together. 
Orthodoxy is found in the Word of God and understanding it properly. Orthopathy is that spirit within us that connects with the Spirit of God, as Jesus has said, and makes us feel right or in the right way. And then orthopraxy is how do we live this Christian life? And there he's given us his body, the church, to live it out together. Now, some people dwell in the orthopathy side of things, just however they feel. They don't care much for saying, you know what, this is what I feel, but there's a church that I can discern with whether my feelings are good. They don't care much for there's a Bible to show me whether these feelings are actually accurate and in line with God's heart because His Word is never at odds with His Spirit. And when His Spirit speaks, His Word is there to confirm it. And then there's those who's just in orthodoxy. They just word, 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 but they don't allow for much feeling or aligning the Spirit to lead them, and they don't care that much for church. And then there's those who's just all church. We love the community. We love hanging out, but you know what? I don't like spending that much time in the Bible, and I don't care that much to hear what the Spirit is wanting to lead me in because He wants to lead us. That's the beauty of His Spirit. So do you see that this helps us? It's a very simple schematic, but if we have these things, three things, not in contrast to one another, but working together in our lives, we'll live in a position of right feeling. So let's investigate that a little bit more. Because you all, all of you guys are wondering, why the big arrow behind Pierre while he's preaching this morning? Well, we just thought that's really boring. We just wanted to put something else in front of you. No, let's use this arrow. Talking about feelings... I'm going to help you understand this a little bit of how our human hearts and our own thoughts work when we talk about feelings. First of all, we've got our lives, and let's say this is the perfect human position of peace, wisdom, the right EQ. Things come, circumstances happen, but you are kind of positioned correctly. You are feeling right in that, mat, in that moment. Let's, let's just say this is neutral, right? You guys are following? This is the neutral position. What happens is, here's a person, and let's call this person, no, let's not call it anything. Let's just say, this is a person. And what happens is, first of all, an experience comes. So the first thing that takes place is experience. And an experience causes something to start moving. Okay? So experience is the first thing, and that could be anything. And I'm going to use some examples in a moment. But an experience comes to upset this equilibrium of everything being perfect. And then it pushes you into a certain feeling. Because the moment you go through an experience, we are designed that way. We're going to feel something, right? If you're on a roller coaster, you're going to feel different things for different people. <laughs> Some are going to love it and shout and scream. Some are like, just get me off of here. But the experience causes motion in this space. And then, because of the experience causing motion, we get to behavior. You felt something, or something happened, you're feeling something, now you're going to act on that. It's very normal. This is human 101. <laughs> so that's behavior. But if we don't go back here and balance things out, the behavior, when it gets stuck here, eventually moves to a belief system that gets stuck completely. So see the progression. You experience something, makes you feel something, then you start behaving and acting in light of that, 
And if you stay there and you don't realign with the Word, the Spirit, the church, you might find yourself in a specific religious system. And what this does for most humans, and I'm so sorry for you sitting there and you sitting there, you're just going to have to imagine this, but it does two things. It pushes us, first of all, into either religion or it pushes us into rebellion. Let me use some examples. Let's use an internal example. Sin. You go through the experience of sin, and as you go through the experience, you feel all the feels. Maybe it starts off good, but then after a while, because it's not good, <laughs> the Spirit starts convicting. You feel all the feels, and then you want to get the practices right. So one or two things happen. You fall into religion. You're going to try harder. You're going to pray more. You're going to try and read your Bible more. You're going to try and fix yourself, forgetting that the only way to deal with sin is to run to Jesus, the one who has paid the price and say, I'm sorry, and to start again. The other side of it is, that was great. I really enjoyed that. I'm going to rebel against the Word of God and what He says. So that's internal. That's very much you making those decisions or comfort. You like your comfort, an experience comes that comes against your comfort, like getting up early for church. Ah, okay, cool, let's see how we're going to fix this. Don't feel like fixing it. We go down the route, becomes behavior, and if we stick there, we go into a belief system. And then you come to church because you feel guilty, right? That's religion. You're coming out of guilt, not out of relationship. Or you just don't come at all because you rebel. becomes a whole new belief system. Some other internal ones are emotions or decisions. You need to make a decision and it pushes you into motion and maybe you're not going back to the center point of finding the right feelings within the word, the spirit, and the church and you find yourself in a religion, rebellion. Let me use some more practical examples which might not just be you but internal, external examples. You take some of your money and you invest it with a friend who promises you great returns only to find out six months later that all that money is lost. So you are involved, but something happened to you that it's not your own mistake, right? What does this do? You go through the experience, you're feeling anger, you're feeling disappointment, you might feel hatred towards that person, and then you've got a choice to make. Will that determine your behavior? Or are you going to say, God, this is how I feel. Help me recenter in the right position. Most people go from feeling to behavior. You don't want to see that person. You don't want to speak about that person. And when you do, you just spill your mouth and you say whatever you want to say about that person. And then it becomes a belief system and you get stuck here. And the only way you feel you can get out of it is to be religious in the way that you use your money. It might be religious in the way that you do business with people. Or it might just be rebellion. I hate the church because that guy was a brother and he did this to me. I never want to see them again. Sickness or health issues, you go through sickness, creates a feeling. And in that feeling, it determines your behavior. It's going to be faith or fear. I'm going to trust God and good medicine to get me better. Or am I going to now just go down this road of fear? And how the enemy has left this season to put fear in people's lives when it comes to sickness. But that becomes a way of life. And we find ourselves stuck here. And in our religion, we try and do everything we can to stay healthy. And we try and do everything we can out of our own strength. We don't partner with grace. On our rebellion, we say, you know what? 
God doesn't heal anymore. Why even ask? We find ourselves stuck here in a new belief system. Or infertility, when there's a desire for children. Something that happens that causes deep feelings. And we can go back to the center, or we can say, you know what, God, maybe I'm not religious enough, maybe I'm not holy enough, maybe I don't fast enough, maybe I don't pray enough, maybe I don't do enough to see this happen to me. Or you can go in rebellion and say, you know what, God, obviously you don't want this for me. And you know what, therefore I don't want to do much with you. You see how everything we experience can push us in this direction? The economy, abuse and pain, when you go through that, you have an experience that causes deep feelings, and here you have the opportunity to go back or to move on towards behavior and belief. Let's talk about external things. Global events. When there's a war, we all feel stuff, right? And that can move us here to feelings. But then we can say, you know what, Lord, your word speaks about this. That in the end there will be war. In fact, you, Jesus, said that in this life you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. So I'm going to move back here. Or you can be pushed all the way to that side. The news that we read, something like Black Lives Matters happen. We feel things. Then we want to try and fix the world that we are in. So we go down these religious routes of fixing things. Or we rebel with the world and says, you know what? The church is the reason and Christians are the reason that we find ourselves here. So you know what? I'm done with that. Do you guys get the drift this morning? The beauty is that there's a counter reaction that God has for us. It swings us over there that I'm going to be in a moment so that we eventually settle down. But then also, I know I'm preaching on some things this morning that some of us, our belief systems have been so stuck for so long that at times you need someone who understands how the soul works and who studied that to come and just help untie you a little bit. We all need the word and we all need the the right ways, but we also need community and people to help us think differently. So what's the countermeasure? What happens on this side that counters that so that we can rest here? I'm going to write down the Greek word and then I'll put down two English words. Metanoia is the Greek word which means completely change your direction. You see what's happening here? And then the word renew and repent. Renew your mind, the Bible says, and repent from the belief system that you find yourself in. So if we are here on this journey, the only way to find ourselves in the middle again is to go all the way through to repentance and renewal. And say, God, you know what? My feelings have been wrong. I've been missing it. I've started building a belief system. You know some belief systems that I've heard lately? It's people coming to church with major suspicion that people are talking about them. I'm like, have you actually asked those people if they're talking about you? Because the enemy loves these kind of things. Like, I don't feel comfortable at church anymore because everyone's looking at me funny. Maybe that person just had a stomach ache and just like looked at you funny for a moment. And now like, ah, they don't like me anymore. Maybe they just had a rough morning. (laughs) getting to church with the kids, and they just like, 
thank goodness I just made it here. But oh no, the belief system is that they don't like me anymore. The only way that we get here, guys, is to metanoia. And we're going to look at it in the scriptures in a moment. Hang on, I'm going to go back to the Bible. But it's to metanoia, to rethink, to take all those feelings that we have back to this point where we say, Jesus, I'm sorry for thinking that way. I'm sorry for doing things that way. Can you come and take me back to the place where you want me to live in complete peace and feeling right? The Bible says in Romans 12, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what the will of God is. We don't just discern the will of God by how we feel. I've sadly seen too many people do that and go on very strange paths. As I read in the beginning, that seems right to them, but the end is destruction. We are encouraged to say, renew your mind. Use the mind that God has given you to think about it. Take time to really think about it. Take time to find pleasure in understanding and in using your mind because then God can come and change you from whatever system you are stuck in and say, here you go, change it, change the way you think and react and come and live in peace again. How do we do this? We do this by living with Christ-defined feelings. This is how we do anything in our Christian walk. We do it with Jesus. In this church, we say we follow Jesus together. And can we say the same of our own feelings and emotions? That our emotions and our feelings follow Christ. Not our own hearts and our own ideas. So let's discover together quickly in the last few minutes that we have how Jesus helps us define our feelings. First of all, Jesus is the living word. That top on that little schematic I gave you was the word, word. And right there, Jesus sits as the living word over our lives. If we align to him, if we listen to his voice, if we listen to his thoughts, and if we take the Bible knowing that the entire story points us to Jesus, then our feelings will become right. They'll become aligned and we can live in a way that the funny feelings don't determine how we live anymore. Colossians 2 verse 3 says this about Jesus. Hear this this morning, my friends. In Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. In Christ are hidden. In Christ. All the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. You see, what happens is Jesus stands right here. And an experience comes and moves us in the wrong direction. And he's there to catch us. Say, uh -uh. my wisdom, my knowledge, let's go back here. We go through this. We know there's the word. We know we've got the living word. We know we've got Jesus. But when we come here, we either push him away. I don't care for that today. We don't believe that it's actually true because to the world it's foolishness. So sometimes we think the wisdom of God is foolish. We just don't feel like it. So as our experiences moves us in the wrong direction and we see Jesus is there to catch us or the word is there to catch us, we just pushes him out of the way. 
In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. We need the light of the Word to shine on the darkness of our own emotions every day. Because if I just let my emotions run, goodness, I'm going to end up in some obscure places. That's not going to be healthy for my soul. I am going to eat too many Krispy Kremes. And it won't be a pretty picture. So Jesus, the living word, is there to catch us with his wisdom and his knowledge. And all of the wisdom that we could find is in him. And he's waiting right here to say, let me catch you when these things pushes you in the wrong direction. Can we let the word shine light on our feelings? Can we live with the Bibles open and say, I feel like this, but what does your word say? Secondly, is that Jesus, not only the living word, he is the liberator. Not only does the word change our thinking, but he fights this battle with us. We've been speaking about a war on wisdom over the past two months. And then we read in 2 Corinthians 10 verse 4 to 5, For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. Listen to this. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of Christ, of God. And we take every thought captive to obey Christ Jesus. The Pierre Smith translation, the PST. We destroy feelings and emotions that lifts itself up against the knowledge of God as revealed in His self-revelation in the Word. We destroy those. And what do we do? We take every thought captive in Christ Jesus. That's how we live here. So that we can end up here and not on the other side. So when there's emotions and feelings and stuff that pops up because of real legitimate experiences. Because we're all going to have them. We say, the mind of Christ. Teach me the mind of Christ again. When there's something that happens that's deeply painful and wants to put you on a new way of life, or there's a real challenging situation that works and it wants to put you into religion or rebellion, you either want to make this work and you don't want to lean into the strength, or you're like, God, you know what, you're not blessing my business anymore. Like the mind of Christ. When I wake up in the morning and I don't feel like being friendly with my family, the mind of Christ. When I walk into the office and I see someone that I don't like that much, the mind of Christ. When I look at my finances and I feel uncomfortable with my finances and God has said, let's give and be generous, but you don't feel like that, the mind of Christ. That is how we are called to live as the church. And within that, the liberated Jesus comes and he feels us to live with the mind of Christ so that we can win this war. That's what he has called us to church. Let us not be led by our feelings. But let Jesus, the living word, lead the way to show us the mind of Christ through the empowering of his spirit. The third thing that I want to lead us to this morning, talking about Jesus, not only is he the living word and the liberator, he is the lead shepherd. He is the lead shepherd. Sadly, we think, I'm the lead shepherd of my life. And somewhere along the way, you know what, Jesus, yeah, you can have some of it. You could lead me in some things, but there are things that I'm just going to lead myself in. 
But not only that, whenever Scripture speaks about a shepherd, it never thinks about a shepherd and a sheep. It always thinks about a flock. Shepherds don't just lead single sheep. They go and find the one that goes off, off, off the path, but they bring them back to a, a flock. And today, one of the things that the world loves is this idea of individualism, that I don't need community because how I feel is my ultimate truth. And we see that in the church. People who say, I want the shepherd, but I don't want the flock. I don't want the other bears around me. I just want to bear by myself because that's too noisy and I don't like it that much. 1 Peter 5 verse 4 says, When the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. But you know how he shepherds our feelings? He shepherds it with the flock. 99.9% of the time that the New Testament is written, it's written to the people, not just to the individual. And if you're an individual as part of the people, wonderful. But that's a benefit for all of us. And we read the Bible as an individual. This is for me, and we forget that we are part of a flock. And there's a shepherd that's saying, I'm going this way. Is my church going to come along? So our feelings have to be figured out within the flock. Because he's leading a flock. When he says, I will lead you in green pastures, he's speaking about the church, the people, those who follow him will find those green pastures. He will make us lay down. He will be ministering to us, the flock. And he is the good shepherd that leads us. Let us not lead ourselves. And let us not lead ourselves away from the flock that God has placed us in. When he spoke to Peter and his restoration, didn't say, go and feed one or two. He says, go and feed the flock. The together space, the community. We spoke about that in our schematic. The church, it helps us in feeling right. So if you look at those three things, Jesus, the living word, is at the top. Jesus, the liberator by his spirit, is on this side. And Jesus, the lead shepherd. Because remember, when we spoke about the liberator, we read that scripture. It says we're fighting a spiritual war, right? And we don't fight with with. Uh, with Guns, and we don't fight with swords. We fight in the spirit and then the church. So in Jesus, all three of these things come together. The word, the spirit, and the church. And he said, it's to your advantage that I go away because you have my words. I will send my spirit and you, the collective, will walk this out as my disciples. And with all of that, we discover Jesus, the load bearer. The one who has given us everything we need to carry these heavy burdens that we sometimes feel. He's given us his word. He's liberated us by the spirit. Where the spirit of the Lord is there is freedom. And he's given us the flock, the church. And all of that he says, hey, when these things happen, when life pushes you in the wrong way, and when you are heading here to get stuck and for a month you're there, and for two months you're there, and for the third month you still believe these lies, and you're stuck there. Come back to me. Because this is what the scripture says. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy 
and my burden is light. The load bearer is standing in front of our hearts every day. Saying those feelings, hey, bring them to me. Come find rest for your souls. God, but these feelings has to be right because I've got your spirit. But I'm a little bit confused now because the people around me, the church, wonders about it. And there's some things that I think that I realize might not be in here. Hey, let me take that burden. I am the truth, the way, and the life. Come and be with me. Let me be the carrier of that burden for you so that you can feel right. And then it changes our lives to the point where we can say like Paul. In him we live and move and have our entire being. What could our lives look like? What could our community look like? What could this church look like? Our homes, our families, if we live with Christ-defined emotions. That makes me excited. That gets me to the place that if I miss it somehow on this journey, and if stuff pushes me this way, Jesus, you're ready to catch me and to take me back to peace. Lord, and I've lived there for so long, and I've built my belief system that everyone is against me, and I don't know if you love me, and I don't know if I'm worthy, and I don't know if I'm called, and I don't know what I'm called to, and I don't know if I believe these things anymore, and I don't know if I believe your Bible anymore, and I'm sure that I feel right, and I'm sure that they are all wrong. When we're stuck in this belief system, we've got to go to the place where we say, Spirit of God, come and untie me. I want to repent. I want you to catch me and put me in perfect peace. Just before Jesus left, he told his disciples, his church, his flock, said, my peace I give you. My peace I leave with you. A double portion, a double promise. Not just, hey, here's my peace, but my whole kingdom, which is a kingdom of peace, I hand over to you as my people. I want to ask the worship team to come up so that we can respond this morning. In prayer. I don't know how you're feeling at the moment. Maybe there's some of the things that I'm saying this morning that really, really has touched a nerve. Maybe you feel like life is just pushing you this way the whole time. Every day is a struggle. Where it's just a push to the wrong side. Maybe some of you have been parked here and you've been camping along the wrong belief system. Maybe you've been trying to fix your own life. Guys, we're not that powerful. <laughs> There's only one who fixes our lives, and that's Jesus. Maybe you've said, God, you know what? I'm not interested. What I feel and what you are, it doesn't line up. But I believe that what God wants to do is he wants to come and he wants to bring his hands and release some of us from this today. And then he wants to be here and says, let me catch you. Let me calm you. Let my burden be upon you, which is easy and light. If you've been carrying these feelings, and maybe you've been carrying it for so long, today I want to be there to catch you and put you there. And you know how simple it is? We just say, God, come renew my mind, and I'm sorry. It's that simple. Sometimes we cry, sometimes we don't. Sometimes there's a journey of restoration. Sometimes it's a minute. 
Sometimes we need 10 people to lead us through this moment and speak faith to us. Sometimes the Spirit comes and He speaks to us and that's sufficient. I'm not going to be the one to say this is how God should work this morning. But I'm going to be the one to say, Church, can we metanoia in our belief system? Can we lift this high and say, God, renew my mind. I don't want to be conformed to the pattern of this world that says, whatever you feel is good, as long as you feel good about it. I want you to come and change the way I think. Change my mind. Let me know that you've given me your word, you've given me your spirit, and you've given me the beauty of this. I want to dwell here. I want to be with your people. I want to feel with your people. I want to sit with your people around the word. We want your spirit to come and be manifest in our presence so we can know that we are a flock following our shepherd. So this morning, there's an opportunity for you to move from here to there and to fall into the hands of the Savior that wants to catch you. Say, let me define how you feel. Lord Jesus, I pray for your church this morning. I thank you, Jesus, that you are speaking to every heart right now. God, I'm so aware that there might be ridiculous, difficult experiences that has moved some of us, Lord, to be stuck in either our rebellion or our own effort to fix things. Jesus, I think about the two people next to you on the cross. And in the moment, the one realized that religion won't get him saved. And he just reached out to you and said, Jesus, remember me in paradise. And that was sufficient. Lord, and I think about the other one who kept staying in his rebellion. His feelings was more important than meeting his Savior. Thank you, Jesus, that you have showed us in your word that feeling right comes from you. Thank you that you've given us the tools of your word, your spirit, and your church to live in a healthy place. So, Lord, I pray for every heart here this morning that you are speaking to. Will you come and untie us, Jesus? Will you come and catch us? There might be things this week, Lord, that happened in our life that's been pushing us in the wrong direction. Your hands are gently there to catch us and to say, my dear children, my little, little flock, my beloved, my sons and my daughters, come and live in perfect peace with me. So I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will speak to every heart. Take a moment to speak to him, church. If you need to say, renew me, I'm sorry, I need to repent, I need to turn my back on a certain way of believing and living and feeling. Do that. Take a moment now. Arika is just going to sing for a brief moment. It's an opportunity for you to pray and respond to Jesus this morning. Thank you, Lord. And sings my soul. And sings my
just want to um, share uh, something I felt also in my heart um, that um, this morning maybe there's some of us that experienced um, things that people said over us and that's become our belief system. Maybe there's um, some of us who um, told ourselves lies and that's become our belief system and we've built we've built our lives around those lies. Um, maybe someone told you that you're unworthy or that you're not worthy of being loved or that you never amount to anything or that you're not capable of doing anything or whatever that lies. We all know what the world tells us or sometimes our own people around us, parents, teachers or friends. Um, and we've taken that on ourselves. Maybe someone commented on your appearance or simple little things that the enemy uses and that has become our belief system and um, this morning God wants to replace that with his truth and to renew our minds with his truth to know that you are loved to know that you are worthy to know that he will never leave you he will never forsake you maybe you've experienced abandonment in your life maybe you feel like people have abandoned you and God says this morning, replace that with the truth that He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He has loved you with an everlasting love. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. And all those truths in His Word that He's given to us, let's replace those lies that we've built our lives around those belief systems and replace it with God's truth this morning. Even words that we've put on ourselves. Maybe you've messed up. Maybe you've made a mistake and you've been beating yourself up forever. And you just can't forgive yourself. You can't let it go. And you've been telling yourself, what a loser. <laughs> You're so unworthy. God says by His blood, you've been paid with a price. An expensive price. You are so worthy. You are called. You are loved. You are adored need a lights in you and just to grab onto that truth this morning and renew your thoughts and renew your mind with the truth of God's word. Amen. Let me be clear about what I'm asking now. This is not a moment to say if you've never said yes to follow Jesus that you want to follow Him. I'm going to talk about those who's been dodging Him here. I'm going to talk to those who's been saying no to the wisdom of the Word, to the wisdom of community, to the leading of the Spirit. If you hear this morning and you want to say, Lord, that's me. For so long I've just pushed all of those things aside. We want to pray for you. Because what Elena is saying is those belief systems, we need community around us to help reshape us, to help us think differently. So it might be that one of those things she said, but maybe other things you realize, I am stuck in a certain way of thinking. I've been believing the lie. And that's what the church is there for, to turn to one another and say, hey, you know what? You're not that bad. The Bible says that here is in Christ is a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. You are new. And I'm going to help walk this out with you until you believe it. So if you need prayer this morning, can you just put up your hand? We'd love to pray for you. Awesome. Anyone else that needs prayer? Thank you. Keep it up. Keep your hand high. I want those around them to minister to them. If you need prayer, put your hand up. 
the rest of the church. Let's start moving. Let's go and pray for them because I believe that God wants us to be the hands and feet of Jesus to help untie people. There's someone in the back there. Joni, you are nearby there if you can pray. The back there. Just keep your hand up if you want prayer. We've got friends over there that need to pray. Uh, we've got a couple at the back there. Uh, yes. Al, you guys go. Jane, you guys go. Just keep your hands up. Pete, you can go and pray as well if you see someone. Anyone that needs prayer that doesn't have anyone with them yet? Anyone out there? Great. Just be honest about the lie that you've believed. Because in community, we get to say, you know what, that's not the love of, and the way of God. Here's the truth. This is what it has for you. Can we take a few more minutes to just pray for these people? Keep your hands up if you need prayer. Anyone else? Great. The rest of us, let's pray. for the rest of us Lord Jesus thank you for leading us thank you for leading our hearts thank you for leading our minds thank you for leading our hands and our actions and what we do I pray for my friends this week as we go into this week Lord and we leave these doors experience are going to come our ways and we're going to be tempted to get stuck on the wrong side of your plan for us but thank you Jesus that you are there to catch us that we have one another as community to walk this out and may we be your people that are led by Jesus. 
so that we can feel right. We love you, Jesus. We thank you for your word. As we go from here, bless us, Lord. I pray that the families who are going to be prayed for over their little ones will be blessed. I pray, Lord, as we pray for the O'Neills, that they'll be blessed. Lord, as some of us gather next door to talk about walking together, Lord, that you'll bless our times. And as we leave this premises today, may we be people who feel right because of what God has done for us and because of the work on the cross. Love you, Jesus. We all say, Amen. Guys, whatever you need this week, go and find it in the Word, in the power of the Spirit, and in community. I'm going to be honest. I'm going to leave this door, and I'm going to feel like I didn't do a good job in preaching. That's the story every Sunday. The enemy loves doing that. You're going to feel different than what you might have felt like this morning when you hear the Word of God. But that's where we say, Jesus, catch me. Jesus is ready to catch us this week. Be blessed. If you're coming to 3D Sunday, we'll see you over there in 15 minutes. If you're praying with families under the tent for their babies, and then we'll see you at prayer on Thursday night. Please come and pray with us. Love you guys. Have a good week.